Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Okay, so uh, yeah, I got the exact same word. The Lord said I prepared a table for my people, and it's a table of the heart, not a table of the mind. So it just goes along with what Lindsay and Nicole said and what they were prophesying. And he said that in the the, the word heart is a word art. And, um, and so really when we're led by the heart and not the mind, what happens is that creativity, vision start to happen. And that's where we really connect to the creator for forward momentum because uh, God is a creator. He's looking for partners to create with him. That has to do with marketplace. That has to do with strategy. That has to do with raising our kids. That has to do with love relationships, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, wives. If you're not creative, trust me, you're not really living. So um, anyway, I just I just think that's really what the Lord is saying. So praise the Lord. Let me just pray one more time. Well, Father, I ask you for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. I bless you, God. I pray that you would open our hearts and let our minds receive what it is that you are saying this morning. So uh, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. Okay, so a um, couple of weeks ago, on April 18th, I gave a message that was a prophetic message, and it was a clarion call to the church. It was a warning, and it was also an encouragement. If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I really encourage you. I highly, highly, highly encourage you, especially if you are sitting in this house, if you are online, please go and listen to that message. It is, um, it's a very, very critical and important message for the church in this hour and in this day. And uh, you'll see why in just a minute. Um, but let's just read um, Revelation 3, verse 20. This is to the Laodicean church, okay? The Laodicean church um, is a church that's very wealthy. The, the region of Laodicea, big on trade, very wealthy, okay? And so he's speaking to them and he's saying, listen, you've been blessed in all of these ways, but in, in that, you, you actually think that you are wealthy, that you have need of nothing, you have everything you need and you don't need me. But he's saying, I encourage you to buy from me this gold refined in the fire, buy from me this unleavened bread, buy from me the, the, the other culture, which is the culture of the kingdom, not of the culture of the land or of the earth, okay? So he's saying you need to shift over from eating of the things of, of the earth and the culture, and you need to start moving over and, and give yourself fully to me. And you may be asking yourself, what exactly does that mean? Well, he's talking about idolatry. What have you put your trust in? What have you put your hope in? Is it your money? Is it your ability to create wealth? Is it the work of your own hands? If you get in a situation where you are lacking provision, is your first go-to all of the ways that you're going to think that you're going to do it on your own, okay, and in your own strength? Or are you pressing into God saying, teach me your ways because I want to slipstream the things in the spirit, tap into the supernatural in the area of more than I can hope or imagine, and I know that's the place where I'm going to see true victory because that's where the gold is. 
and you've got to refine yourself. And here's the thing about refining. This right here is getting refined. It's this. And he said, the more you refine this, the more the gold in your heart comes alive because Jesus did not come to get a thinking church. He came to get a church that was passionately in love. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and throw out an 80s statement, okay? It's not about religion. It's about relationship, okay? Remember those days? Could never be more true than it is today. He built a table for you to come to, and it's a table of love. It's a table of wine. It's a table of relationship. And that's what we're going to be talking about because what the Lord said to me uh, the day after Easter, he said to me, Jesus is God of the door. And I thought, okay. And again, go back and listen to that message because it's pretty profound. He's talking about this door in Revelation 3.20. The door that he presented to the Laodicean church. He said, behold, I knock. To he that opens, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and him with me. All right, so you've got several things going on here. You've got, you've got Jesus who's knocking on the door. You've got a door, right? you got to open the door. That means us. So we actually, there's something that we have to do to participate in this. And then he says this, I'm going to come in and dine with you. In other words, there's a table. Well, if there's a table, we know there's got to be food. And so that food at that table is the same Passover food in John 14 through 17. What Jesus was doing at that table is he was preparing his disciples for a love relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the unity of the Godhead unto an outpouring of the glory of God that would empower them to walk in signs and wonders. So, we're going to talk about that this morning. But first, I want to tell you a couple of testimonies of what has happened over the past couple of weeks since I preached this message, okay? So, on the day that we preached this message, I'm just doing what I do, you know, blah, 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 you know? I'm, a, I'm up here. I'm like on fire. I'm feeling it. I'm giving the message. Well, unbeknownst to me, I, I got my media team, and they're running all around going, oh, my gosh, what is going on? So during that time, um, two of our cameras went down, and um, the air conditioning units went off. And the electricity in the building next door that we rent um, and we rent part, we rent like 3,500 square feet out of the 12,000 square feet next door. So the electricity next door goes out. So we're like, well, that's weird. And so we called the electrician. He came in the next day. This is somebody we know really well. He put the electric in the whole building. And we're like, you messed something up. And he said, um, so he went and he tested everything. And he said, actually, um, there's nothing wrong with your electricity. And so we said, okay, well, why did that happen and what's going on? And he said, well, he said, it looks like that you got a power surge from, that was external that hit your system. And I said, you know, power surge, like what? And he said, oh, it could have been a solar flare. And I said, oh, okay, well, did it hit any of the other buildings or any of the other AC units? He goes, no. 
It just hit yours. <laughs> so the other building and the, that's not leased by us, their electric was fine. But only the part that was leased by us went out. And so we all kind of looked at each other and we said, hmm, a power source, a power surge. That's interesting. So we all kind of laughed about it, right? Thought it was kind of interesting. So uh, fast forward about five days. Um, I go in for a stress test on my heart. My brother's a heart surgeon and he's like, you need to go get this done. And I was like, okay. Well, so I had to drive all the way to Paris because that's where his favorite cardiologist is. Go figure. So it's like two hours away. I get there. Um, so they've got you. Yeah, how many of you have ever had a stress test? It's very stressful. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're going to do what? You want me to get on that treadmill and do what? Uh, so anyway, they put all these electrodes on you. And then uh, they get the sonogram machine, and they, they do the sonogram, and you're in a resting state and everything. And so I'm laying on this table, and she's got this big sonogram machine, blah, blah, blah. You know, for those of you, you know, who had babies. Um, so she's got the gel on it, and she's like looking at my heart, and she's recording everything. So like 15 minutes into this, she, um, she all of a sudden, the machine um, stops working. <laughs> and um, she's like, oh, Wow, this has never happened. Her name's Gail, um, precious woman. Anyway, um, she's like, whoa, I've been doing this for 45 years. And she was really upset about it. She said, this has never happened. And she's pushing all the buttons. And she's like, it just froze up. I don't. So, so she works with it for a while. And then she, she turns it off and, and tries to reboot it and get it going. And it won't come back up. And, um, and, or it comes back up, but it's still frozen. And so she, she doesn't understand. She's like, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so embarrassed. This has never happened to me before. And so she said, let's do this. Let's get you on the treadmill. So she puts one of those little um, um, cuffs on me, you know, for blood pressure. And so she sticks it on me. She turns on the, the blood pressure uh, machine to read my blood pressure. It comes on, all the lights come on, and then it goes, and it goes off. And she said, she looked at me and she said, what is going on? <laughs> and I, so I said to her, I think it's the door. Now, wait a minute. She turns to me and she said, is that the Revelation 320 door? I am not kidding you. And I'm like, yes, it is. So the Holy Spirit shows up. We start, you know, and she wants me to tell her all about this while I'm on the treadmill. And I was like, just a minute. <laughs> anyway, it was one of those moments and you're thinking to yourself, what is happening? All right, so, so my husband said, well, this can't be very good for the media call on this house if everything keeps stopping when you talk, honey. So I then, uh, lastly, I, I had an interview uh, with an organization called Moms in the Making. Um, and uh, the woman who runs it, Caroline, she and I are talking, goes to, like, they reached 60 nations. It was so fun. And at the end of the interview, um, she was asking me, you know, what is God saying? And I started talking about the, the door of 320, you know, Revelation 320. And so I started telling her the testimonies of the electricity. And she's like, what? And I'm like, right? It's crazy. 
crazy. And she said, that is insane. So then the next day, she calls me up and she's like, you are never going to believe this. She said, at the exact time and moment that you were telling me that testimony, the electricity in my husband's office goes out. And I was like, I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Anyway, what I believe that the Lord is saying is he's saying, I am marking this word with power. And he's calling his people to come home and to come to his table because you are in a moment and in a season where you're being invited into something and it is critical that we respond to the invitation. Today, it's not like it was yesterday and you would have to be deaf, dumb, and blind to realize that that is not the case. And so there's an urgency, I believe, on this word. Okay, so there's a door. There's a door, and that door is for us to come in and dine with him, come in and be with him. And so there's a couple of doors that are happening here. So I want you to go ahead, if you're already there in your Bible at 320, he says, he he talks about, can you put, he, he, he talks about this door, and he says, if anyone hears, ears, my voice and opens the door, I will come and dine with him and him with me and he with me and he with me. Okay, so what he's saying is that when you hear him, we're in a moment of hearing him. We're in a moment where we have to respond to his voice when he's saying, come, come away with me, come away with me. Today is not like yesterday. Today, it's, it's urgent. It's not like now, if, remember in the land of Egypt, if they would not have responded the way that they did when they said, get behind the door, because if you don't, trouble is going to hit you. And remember, there was only six inches between the spirit of death and the spirit of life. Those that were on the inside of the door that were eating at the Passover meal, the Passover table, were guarded, protected. They were the ones that exited the culture of Egypt, and they took with them the wealth, the provision. They are the ones that went into the promised land to encounter God who was on the mountain. And that's what he's saying to his church right now. He's raising up a remnant who are, who's hearing his voice that is going to respond to him because I believe that this remnant is going to be the laborers that are going to bring in the harvest. Okay? So um, you got to get behind the door. Okay. He talks about this door, and then he moves us into, now he's talking about this door uh, to John. So Jesus, red letter, is saying, John, here's this door. You're going to come in and you're going to dine with me. And then when you do and you say, yes, I'm going to give you a seat at the table. The seat is the table is my seat where I am seated with the Father. So you are going to be seated in me. So your place at the table is a place of authority, okay? And then he rolls on into Revelation 4.1. And he talks about another door. Jesus is still speaking, okay? 
Let's just go there. Revelation 4.1. And he says this. After these things. Now, now he says after these things. That means that, that John... Is, is, is there with Jesus. Jesus is speaking, and he's, and he's eating the food that's at the table. After that, another door opens. Now, this is the door standing open in heaven. And the first voice, which I heard was like a trumpet speaking to me, saying, come up here and I will show you the things that must take place after this. So he's saying this. He's saying the Revelation 3.20 door is, is a door and it's, it's truth. It is a table of truth. My spirit of truth is going to live there. And then he is saying this. Then the Revelation 4.1 door opens up, and it is the, the table of direction where he's going to tell you what's coming next. And so he says, remember, when at the Passover meal in John 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So you've got two tables. You've got the, the table of truth, and you've got the table of the way. And so the truth and the way are going to give you the life that you need right now in order to follow him and to be guarded and protected in everything that we do. Your government, God bless our government, they are not going to keep you safe. Medicine is not going to keep you safe. Pharmacia. <clears throat> Money is not going to keep you safe. There is only one place. It's under the shadow of his wings and it is sitting at this table. But those who know their God will do great exploits. All right, so turn with me, if you will, to uh, we're going to go ahead and go to John chapter 14. And we're going to start at this table and we're going to eat something. So in, um, in John 13, Jesus is establishing um, the, the tradition of communion. And so you've got, you've, there he is. He's got the unleavened bread. He's got the wine. You know, he's talking to his disciples. He's doing something that has never been done before. And you have to understand that about this conversation. So you got this conversation that's, that's four chapters long. Everything that he's introducing to these disciples is completely foreign to them. Because they don't even know. What are you talking about? What are you talking about you're going to go away? What are you talking about the spirit of truth? What are you talking about the unity of the Godhead? What are you talking about? Where are you going? They have no clue. And so they're sitting there kind of like, because they have no reference. They have no grid. For us today, we're here charismania. We're like, of course, Holy Spirit being baptized in fire. We're on the floor. We're shaking. We hear the voice of the Lord. We're dreaming. We're interpreting. We get it. But back then, they didn't at all. So, so he's introducing to them um, the bread, and he's introducing the wine. What he is saying to them is, again, this is a table of intimacy. Into me, you see. Through the bread and the wine, it is about the heart. It's not about the head. 
approaching him. That's why he said you can't take communion in the wrong way. You can't take communion if you are offended because your heart is actually not right before God. So don't be taking that communion because this is the living bread and the living blood that is going to give you life. But if you take it and you're offended at your brother, if you're in judgment, if you're in unforgiveness, don't be taking it. Because again, this table is a table of love. If you're not in love, don't come to the table and start taking that. Okay? All right. John 14, verse 1. He says, let not your heart be troubled. This is a message to the church today. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. <laughs> Praise God. What verse do we have? She's listening. Audible. <laughs> That's a devil portion woman right there. I'm going to listen to you. I'm not going to listen. Yeah. You're multitasking, darling. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. So he is talking about this place that he has gone to prepare. Um, and he said, and it says this, the word mansion means abode or it means home. And he's saying, I've prepared a home for you. And being outside of this place, you're going to feel like a foreigner. You will never truly feel like you belong outside of this place. And so he's calling all of his orphans home into the Father's house. I've, I've, I've prepared a place for you. And he's saying to each one of us, this is personal. Daisy, I prepared a place for you at the table. Delight, I prepared a place for you at the table. Every Patrick, you've got a place at the table. And he said this place at the table, again, is a place that is at my Father's throne. It's authority. In me, where there's no sorrow, where there's unity, you're united as one with God and with me, and it's, and it's personal, and it's intimate. Into me, you see, it's intimate. It's where, it's where your heart, where you allow your heart to reign and rule, and you're not afraid of the emotions and the feelings that you're going to feel when you get into a place with God. I'm telling you, if you ever read the word and you're not weeping over it, I will challenge you to really say to God, you need to, you need to uncork my hardened heart because I want to weep at your word. In my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you. I will grant you I will grant you to sit on my throne as I am seated with my father. This is a seat of authority. It's a seat of partnership, and it's a seat of wholeness. So then he goes on, and again, speaking to his disciples who are a little confused. They're like, okay, what? He says to them, listen, 
in verse 4. And you know, and the way Thomas says to him, Lord, uh, we do not know where you're going. And in their minds, they're thinking, are you going, are you, are you leaving Jerusalem? Are you, like, what should we know? Should we follow afterwards? And so they're thinking very practically, right? And Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. And so he's saying, I am the truth, meaning that in this place of, of the table, remember, of, 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 of Revelation 3.20, he's saying that in this place, I'm going to show you who I am. I'm going to show you the truth of who I am. And, and in, in the revelation of who I am, you're going to see yourself in me. You're going to have a revelation of how I made you and who you are in me and who I am in you. And in that place, you're going to be fully satisfied. And you're going to agree with me of the perfection and the uniqueness and the beauty of how I made you. That you are so beautifully crafted by me. That, that, that my thoughts about you are for good and not evil. And that's finally going to get settled in your heart. That's the table that we need to be eating from. And it's this table where we're getting this food of John 14 through 17. Because the revelation of what he's trying to say to his disciples is also what he's trying to say to his last church. So as it was when Pentecost came, they were prepared because they had been fed. Have you ever tried to work out on an empty stomach? That's not pretty, you know, but when you're full and you've got protein and you, you know, you're trying to work out, you are strong to handle the glory and the things that God's about to do in the earth. Okay. So the table of the heart, passion and creativity comes from this place. When you really get it settled in your heart, the truth of who you are, you're actually going to come alive. And you're going to start being, uh, getting creative ideas. You're going to start, your imagination is going to explode. You're going to start getting so excited because of a vision that's been set before you. And listen, the world could be falling down around you. But again, 10,000 can fall. But it will, will not come near you. Because you're over there in la-la land and dreaming with God and your heart is fully alive. What happens to a man and a woman whose heart is fully alive? They are fearless. They're like, I'm sorry, you can't touch me. You can't touch me. I'm not afraid to die because I already have. So he said the truth, and he said, I am the way, meaning the other door and the other table that you're going to be eating from is how to know the way of God. Because right now, you need to hear what's happening. You need to hear God's perspective on all of this nonsense that's going on around us. So the doorway is opening to the spirit. You're going to eat of who God is, and then you're going to go into the spirit and say, show me now how to function with you in this authority. I've got the love. 
now you're giving me the authority. And how now do you want me to operate? Oh, I almost said, how now, brown cow? It was on that. You know, you were thinking it too. You're like, is she going to go there? Okay, Lord, you're not a brown cow. How now, Holy Spirit? Do you want me to, to now function? And how do I now speak to these things and command them to come down? How, what do you want me to do about coronavirus 19, 20, 21, 25, whatever they're going to throw at us? Plague one, plague two, the shakings, the volcanoes, the whatever. You know, it's coming. What do you want me to do about it? Because see, he's like, okay, here's the thing. You're going to be here and I'm leaving you here because I actually need somebody to take authority over this and to bring in the greatest harvest that's ever been seen. Because I got to fill my house. I got to get all of these billions of souls that we are on a precipice of seeing flood the church and come into the church. Why are they going to come into the church? Because it's shaking. Because God is shaking everything that can shake so that all, say all, will come to the desire of all nations, which is Jesus. And so they're coming because they're afraid. And they're coming because they realize that, again, they can't trust their wealth. They can't trust the doctors. They can't trust anyone. There is only going to be one hope. He's driving the entire world towards his son. That's what's happening right now. Praise the Lord. And I'm, and I, I'm looking at the catchers. I'm looking at the laborers. I'm looking at the ones who have given themselves in this hour to, to saying, all right, Lord, how do I prepare myself to be a laborer in the harvest? And I see each one of you, you're going to have, your houses are going to be flooded with people. You're going to be laying hands on, it's going to be everywhere you go. It's like the sick, bam, 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 everywhere you go. You're going to leave your house in the morning and it's just going to be, you know, a cacophony of, of beauty and, and, and healing and signs and wonders. And people in parking lots are going to be coming up to you because of the glory that's on you. How must I be saved? And then everybody in the parking lot's going to be like, wait, what's happening over here? We've got to have what you have. Amen? I'm telling you, it's going to get fun. All right. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whew. See, our deliverance is going to be supernatural, as it was in the days of old. Do you know God never delivered his people in any natural way? He, did, he wasn't like, okay, so here's a 12-step program. I want you to balance your checkbook. I want you to save some money, oh, Israel, leaving Egypt. You know, I want you to come up with a plan. We're going to mission statement. No, he said, get behind the door. Watch me. I'll do the heavy lifting. Right? Watch what I do. I'm going to scare them. And they're going to let you go. And then you're going to leave with all their money. <laughs> Who thought that plan would work, right? It's crazy. But let me tell you, every time there's been an exodus, the same thing has happened. As it was then, so shall it be in the end of days. So, you got to ask the Lord, where am I going to find this money? 
He'll tell you. He'll say, go ask your neighbor to give you all their silver and gold. Okay. I don't know. Maybe he won't tell you that. <laughs> don't, don't do that unless he, unless he tells you. All right. Um, let's look at John uh, 14, verse 16. He says this, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And so he tells them, look, I'm going to go away. Um, And then, I'm sorry, let's look at verse 10 real quick. I just saw this. It just popped out at me. It's not in my notes. But in verse 10, he said, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. And so he's saying to them, um, to you, because they don't fully get it yet. I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. As I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, so you will be in us. And so he's saying there's a, there's a, there's a deep relational connection. And he's, and he's trying to tell them over and over, look, I have come to demonstrate myself to you. So I will show you what my relationship with the Father is. Not just am I going to demonstrate to you the power and, and, I'm, and the healings, but I'm going to demonstrate to you the connection between the Father and the Son. And as, I, as I've demonstrated that to you, I'm the firstborn of many brethren, so you will also have that same relationship that I have with the Father. That is available to you. And the way that the Father is in me and I am in the Father, so we are going to be in you. And, and, and with the same level of love and intimacy, a passion, a desire, a fervency, of, of, a, of a drawing in, an awakening of hunger, all of these things are available to you through this relationship. And they're like, what? But we don't want you to go away. And he's like, no, 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 it's better that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to give you the helper. And he's going to lead you into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. And so everywhere you go, you don't have to have me in physical form. I'm going to be with you in spirit form that no matter where you are in the earth, I am with you. And so it's Jesus wearing, you know, uh, uh, your suit of skin, your personality. He's going everywhere you go. It's a beautiful picture of the multiplication of Christ on the earth. It's union. The ultimate goal of Jesus was to restore us back to the Father. And that's what God is doing in the church. And that's why Jesus himself talked about this, about the spirit of Elijah, that it was in the land with John the Baptist, but that it would come again before his return the second time. The spirit of Elijah calls causes the children to return to the fathers and the fathers to the children. And that's what's happening right now. God is taking an organizational structure that was built through the mind of man called the church in the Western world. And he's moving it into the, org- the organism of the family. 
And he's saying my church was always supposed to be about family and that people are coming home to uh, apostolic churches that have been designed with a mother and a father, with a father and a mother, with a father and a mother. I'm telling you, with women and men that fully operate in the five-fold ministry and the things that they were called to operate in, that it is a father and a mother, and a, a man and a woman. God created both, both man and woman to fully represent him as the beauty of who he is. But we've had a single-parent church. So it's been walking around. I mean, when I met John... Okay, you, a lot of you know our story. When I met John, he was a single dad with four kids. I mean, there was no mother. And, I, and it was not pretty. I was like, oh my gosh, you need help really bad. It really does take both. And those of you who have, are um, uh, fishing widows from this weekend, by the way, we have 65 men that are out this weekend catching mass quantities of fish. They're having a great time. Um, but yeah, if you're a fishing widow and you're a mother, you know what I'm talking about. Your husband leaves for the weekend and you're like praying in tongues the whole time. You're taking vitamins, you know, and uh, anyway. The moms are like, yeah, and a couple of glasses of wine. <laughs> the blood of Jesus. All right. So, basically, what he's saying here in, in verse 14 is he's saying, um, in this place, at this table, you're going to realize the truth of who I am. And so, I really want you to focus on that this week. I want you to eat of John 14. I want you to read it, and then I want you to read it again. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to eat the scroll and, and, and say, God, because here's what you want with the word. When you meditate on the word, the word is actually alive. And it will, it will come and, and it will be metastasized. Or That's not the word I'm looking for, but no, that's what cancer does. Okay, no. Metabolized. Metabolized throughout your system so it gets in your cells. It starts to become part of you. Meditate on the word this week in your time of prayer. Um, and I just, I just really want to encourage you. The Lord is really adamant about this. He's so adamant about this that he's going around and he's, he's turning lights off. He's turning um, systems off because there's power on this word. I believe that as you partake in this, you're going to start to partake of the power of God. And he's going to start saying, watch me supernaturally as you eat of this. Watch me how I supernaturally start to empower you, strengthen you, help you. You're going to start walking in deeper levels of revelation, deeper levels of love. And you're going to encounter him in a whole new way. All right, um, and anyway, he knows about what, he knows about uh, Revelation to the Laodicean church. He knows about where you are. He knows what you're doing with your time. He knows what you, he, you're doing with your money, and he knows what you're doing with your affection. So 
I want you to put all that before him and say, what am I trusting in? Because if you're experiencing any fear, I will tell you you're trusting in something other than him. Okay? All right, let's pray. Everybody stand. God is good. All right. Raise your hands. God, we ask you for revelation of your truth. We ask you revelation for the knowledge of your way. God, we ask you, and we just say right now, yes to the invitation to this table. We respond to you, God. We open the door to our hearts, and we say, come in. Come into our heart. Give us food that strengthens us. We ask you for this Passover word. We ask you for the Passover word. We ask you, God, that in this hour you would pat, you would, we ask for the Spirit of God to overshadow us. And we thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you're teaching us to sit and to eat of your word. God, I ask you, you would fill us with wine of your revelation. God, I ask you, you would fill us with oil of your anointing. And so we bless you, God, in Jesus' name, amen.